0: This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join.
1: If you're honest and people get a sense that it's real, you have an advantage. You have that trust and appreciation of your audience for being vulnerable like that.
2: I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world.
0: Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Athletic Greens is an all-in-one health drink with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients to help support your body's nutritional needs. Get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with a subscription by going to athleticgreens.com dreamjob. Also, thanks to 1-800-Flowers. Remember, Mother's Day is this Sunday and 1-800-Flowers has what you need. To order last-minute Mother's Day bouquets, arrangements, and gifts, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code dreamjob. Also, thanks to ShipStation. With ShipStation, your small, business can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. Go to ShipStation.com and use my offer code DreamJob to get a 60-day free trial. And thanks to Canva Pro, Canva Pro is the easiest way to create presentations like a pro with thousands of free templates and time-saving tools. Get a free 45-day extended trial by going to Canva.me/DreamJob. Hey guys, it's Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm so excited because today John Andrasic is here. He is the lead singer for Five for Fighting. And not only have I loved this band for so long, but what makes this extra special is it was really such a meta experience being able to interview him because he came in as a guest to speak live in front of my program, Made to Do This. I do this 12-week signature coaching program. And by the way, we are doing a pre-sale right now. Over the next 10 days, you can get in at the current price. When we actually officially launch in a few weeks, the price will be going up a $1,000. So if you want to get in for a $1,000 discount, I would definitely go check it out. Go to this.com You can check it out. But Made to Do This is... Very sacred. It is a 12 week interactive, intensive coaching experience where you will have a total paradigm shift. And during the program, we step into our calling. It is absolutely my knowing that every single one of us is here to use our gifts to make a difference in the world. And, you know, our most creative tool is our energy it's our enthusiasm it's our passion it's our open heart we can change the world so much more through our energy than through the physical through what degree we have or through where we live or our zip code none of that matters what matters and what creates worlds is that open-hearted fully passionate like vision and during the program this last time we had talked about the song John Androsic wrote fight for fighting song world
2: what kind of world do you want? Think anything. Let's start at the start. Build a masterpiece. Be careful what you wish for.
0: History starts now. And we talked about that song and I told them, I want you all to go home and play that song. Find it on Spotify. Find it on Apple Music. Go, Go listen to that song because... It's really what we're doing in this program. We're really envisioning what kind of world do you want? Let's be expansive. Let's really realize that every single one of us has the power, like Harold and the Purple Crayon, to draw the world the way we want to see it and to truly, truly set the world ablaze in, in the magic that is our heart. And the day after we, we, we all talked about that song, I said to my producer, Emma, wouldn't it be cool if John Androsik would come talk to the class and actually sing that song for us live? And she reached out to him and he said, sure, I would do that. So we're going to play for you right now, that conversation. And at the end of this, he's actually going to sing that song for you live. So now you'll have the full context. And if you have any questions about me to do this, you should come on over to my Instagram at Kathy.Heller, and you can DM me, my team, or myself. We'll get back to you you can also go to the website, made to do and check it out. We have amazing guest experts coming in. The next session will begin in June. Gabby Bernstein will be coming in to do a session as well as Chalene Johnson, as well as Ali Webb, founder of dry bar and many other just awesome souls. And that program is all about finally taking true inspired action. We've just graduated last week Almost 900 souls, 888 people graduated from that program. We had over 500 people live on the graduation call, because it is a vortex. I highly encourage you to check it out because we are going to officially open it for enrollment next month, and we will sell out. But I am just wanting to let you guys know because you're my people, <laughs> because you're in the sort of inner circle. I wanted to let you know that there is. Um, an opportunity to get in now and to get in at the current price. You can go to this.com and check it out. So to give you more background on John andrasic he's a multi-platinum Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter, a musician, a producer, and he's the one-man performer of Five for Fighting. He's responsible for some of my favorite songs like Superman, 100 Years, The Riddle, and World, and so many more. Five for Fighting has sold over two and a half million albums. His songs have been featured in over 350 films and shows. He's penned tunes for artists ranging from Josh Groban, Tim McGraw, and also the Backstreet Boys. And he's performed at Lincoln Center, the Kennedy Center for the Troops for Past Presidents and Fancy World Leaders, NASA, and Richard Branson selected What If as the theme to his Virgin Unite charity. John calls himself a 20-year overnight success, and it really is just an incredible story of resilience and continuing to fight for what lights you up. He was so generous to come and be a speaker for our program made to do this. It was so surreal. So I want you to stick around to the very end because we will play for you John's performance of World. It was such a beautiful thing that he did that. It just meant so much. All right, without further ado, please welcome the one and only John Adjasek. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. So we have this program, this signature program called Made to Do This. And we, as one of our assignments a few weeks ago, listened to your song, World's, And the idea was to go home and listen to it and cry your eyes out. And well, that part's optional, but most of us did. (laughs) And then to uh, make a map of a world that you'd want to live in. People had Mm. worlds of just such goodness and such beautiful things. And I I think what you've done with your music is you have opened up the possibility that we can create worlds through opening our heart, through sharing. But I want to talk about you and your journey. I think it's so inspiring. So can you tell us a little bit about that period between where you were and where you wanted to be?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a long, wacky story. Like most artistic success stories, a lot of things have to line up. You know, I started, uh, I love music as a kid. My mom was a piano teacher. So at two years old, she put me at the piano and I kind of enjoyed it. And and she taught me to play and then she wised up and she sent me to her friend, another piano teacher, because you never want to teach your kids. Sure. And so I kind of learned piano, but I, I love music growing up. You know, as in elementary school, there was no funding for music. So my mom kind of came in and she put on musicals. And so I was Tony in West Side Story, you know, singing like a chipmunk and, you know, continued to love music. And then my, my mom was very wise when I was kind of 13 kind of would rather go play basketball or skateboard or hang out with my friends. She let me quit the piano. And I do think it's a good lesson about, you know, especially if you have kids who may be artistically inclined, you know, you really have to have the passion for it. And by 13, I had the skills and it was kind of like, all right, if you want to do this, great. If you don't go do something you love. And then I started writing songs because it was more fun than practicing. And, and I loved, the Beatles, and I loved Elton John, and I loved Prince, and I loved all these artists. So I started writing songs around 13, 14, kind of found a passion for it. My dad gave me a a deal on some recording equipment that I would go work for the family business three or four days during the summer, and he would buy me this whole reel-to-reel tape machine. And so I spent a lot of my time just kind of in my room learning how to record and kind of produce, and at that time, drum machines were just coming out, so technology was changing. And, you know, through college, I just wrote thousands of songs. And, I'd, you know, in high school, I'd be the guy that sh- showed up to party and I'd play, you know, Journey or, you know, you know, and uh,
0: it works, yes, man.
1: Sometimes. Yeah. Journey, <laughs> Queen. Queen tends to work pretty good, too. And I kind of pursued music while I was going to college. And because my mom was a musician, you know, we kind of knew the odds of this being a career. So I, I majored in mathematics. I, I, I didn't do it for any other reason that I figured, you know, I could get a decent job with that degree. But of course, I was spending most of my time writing and singing in my dorm room. And, but I, I got my degree as kind of the fallback position. And I got very lucky because I said, you know, my parents were very supportive. I don't think they ever thought I could make a penny at it, but they saw how hard I was working at it. And uh, they saw how passionate was, I was about it. So I had the luxury of, again, kind of working as a family business out of college. And it was kind of funny because, you know, I was this kind of long-haired rock guy. And uh, the family business is a manufacturing business that goes right. back to the 40s. It's called Precision Wire Products. And so I could kind of come in, put on my nice suit and interact with the bank and help my dad and do that. And then at night, go on auditions and write. And so it really allowed me to have a flexibility instead of just getting the nine to five to pay the rent and really have a hard time just the energy and bandwidth to pursue music so you know i started playing little clubs down in hollywood and and uh, had some friends I, I joined a band with all the ex-members of pat benatar's band when i was 21 and they were all 40 and we actually almost got a record deal and and the, the music that was kind of more kind of pop metal you know it really wasn't my my strong suit and then this band nirvana came on the scene and right. that pop metal thing was over in a week which for me was kind of a blessing and and I went back to the piano and I just started writing my songs and I tried you know as you mentioned you know from basically 18 to 27 28 I I grinded I was passed on by every record company Mm -hmm. and I was playing this little piano bar believe it or not on Melrose and Vine and this woman walks in and she's like you know this black leather jacket and she's really cute and and she's like, yeah, you know, smoking a cigarette. Like I get people record deals. And I'm like, you know, I'd actually heard that a few times. And, <laughs> but she was really cute. And I wanted to work with her. And, and she worked for a very established publishing company. So she kind of took me under her wing and rolled the roller coaster of, you know, record companies. And we actually got a record deal with EMI Records. By the way, I married her.
0: I and, love uh, that.
1: <laughs> I married her. You know, so the, the nice thing is my wife, she was the expert, and I lived off her couch for five years. I, you know, I was making very little money, and, but it was great because we kind of rode the roller coaster together, and again, a lot of it was rejection, and, and got a record deal on EMI Records, and it was amazing because the president of the label produced one of my favorite records, Tori Amos's Little Earthquakes, one of my favorite records. Love Tori Amos. Piano player, songwriter, singer, eclectic. I'm like, wow, that's perfect. So he produced my record, my first record, and we made it. And I was a priority of the label. And like so many stories in the music business, one day I got a call and I was on the road and promoting the record. The record hadn't even come out yet. We were touring. The the credit cards didn't work. And I'm like, that's weird. And I called the label and like, oh, we closed. I'm like, what do you mean you closed? You're the record company of the Beatles. How do you close? (laughs) And they closed. And so that whole thing went kaput in a day. And I was kind of back to square one. And, you know, I was in my mid 20s and me and my wife, you know, well my fiance at the time were planning getting married. And I'm like, hey, man, it's a great dream, but I got to pay the rent and and I got to get a real job. And so I kind of cut off my hair and I was working and, and my wife, being the good publisher, she was kept sending my demos out to people and saying, oh, this is a new song, even though it was 10 years old. And this guy, Greg Latterman, had a little record company called The Ware Records in Chicago. And they said, You want to make a record? And I'm like, Yeah, you know, I have all these demos and it'd be good to play my grandkids one day that, hey, grandpa once was a songwriter. And so we had no budget. And a friend of mine, Greg Wattenberg, who'd also been kind of floating around, a producer, came out to LA and, and we went into a studio. We could only afford to go from like 10 o'clock to six in the morning. We couldn't afford to go the During the day, so we'd show up at night, and and it was great. Nobody knows knew what we were doing, and we had the dream of making a record, and and we made America Town. And even then, you know, Columbia Records, who was kind of the parent, really didn't even know we existed. And so we had a song come out called Easy Tonight, and it was uh, it's kind of my one of the only guitar kind of songs that I've ever had on the radio. And it, it was a very popular song at a, a format called AAA Radio, which is where the songwriters are. It was a number one song there, but that format doesn't sell any records. So we only sold a few records, but it allowed us to get to another song. And by then, I'm, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s. And I knew, like, well, we have one more shot. If this doesn't go, it's been a great run. I've made a record. And they asked me what song I'd like. I said, well, there's this song Superman that people seem to react to. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's It's slow. They're, the piano's not on the radio. It's the age of boy bands and grunge and Little Affair. And I'm like, you know, I understand. And I'm like, but I just know when I play it, people seem to react to it. And they're like, well, okay, you know. So we kind of remixed Superman and we went out with Superman. And in the beginning, it was very challenging. Radio didn't want to play it because it was different and it was kind of slower and it was kind of cerebral. And there are three or four stations. That decided to play it, and but even so, because it was starting to get some reaction, radio is very fickle, and you don't have a lot of time. And uh, there was a week where we had no ads. They call them ads. That means somebody added your song to the radio station, and usually that's the kiss of death. So they had no ads, and so we pulled a full few strings. I called to my friends, and the plan was just keep it on the radio long enough where it starts to tip, and it did. You know, we kept it on a few more weeks, and then it started to become what it became. And then lo and behold, through all these kind of lucky stars aligning, uh, I, I had a song and then I had a career. But again, that all took place over 15 years with everybody passing on Superman, everybody passing on me. And you hear that a lot in the arts. And of course, I'm sure you've talked about it on your show with all the people you talk to, You know, the value of perseverance and having a, having a suit of armor to get you through those times. But uh, I was very blessed to have my parents support me. And I work really hard. And to this day, I, I kind of pinch myself when I hear my songs and I, I can't believe I can still do it. So I'm very blessed.
0: Um, it's just an incredible story. And I've seen it over and over that words from the heart speak to the heart. And that song is just a showstopper because it's It's coming from that place of an open heart. And when people hear that, they stop in their tracks. I remember you singing it at the benefit for the firefighters in New York and just bawling my eyes out and just the way the, the grace and the presence that you had in that moment. And every time I've heard that song, I've never been able to change the station. And I know so many people who are listening to the podcast and so many people here feel the same way. What inspired the song? Where were you when you thought of it?
1: You know, it's interesting. Superman, as opposed to most of my other songs, I kind of look at it as a gift. I wrote it in 45 minutes and it sounds like I'm bragging and I, maybe I am. But um, it to me just kind of came and was here. The baby was born very quickly. And of course, again, that sounds kind of romantic. But also, I think you have to think about, yeah, there were thousands of songs to get to Superman. Yeah. And thousands of failures and honing your your craft but to me in a way the song i don't want to say it was selfish but it was honest because at the time i wrote it you know emi had basically folded i basically had no career the writing was on the wall mm-hmm. and i was feeling you know this kind of sense of just frustration that you know i just want to be heard you know with the emi record i didn't get the opportunity to be heard And if you go out there and people hear it and you have a chance, it's kind of like if you're an athlete, you know, if you get to the plate and you can swing and you strike out, well, at least you got there. I never got to the plate. (laughs) So I was really frustrated and the whole, like, it's not easy to be me was really about that. It's, you know, I was kind of numb to the world and I couldn't be heard and kind of my dream was failing. And and so it was a little bit of a woe is me song. It's a song I couldn't write today. Because through my experience with Superman and my other songs, you know, one of the blessings of, of my career has been it's allowed me to meet people with real challenges, you know, serious challenges. And some of them don't have happy endings. So in retrospect, um, I couldn't write it today. But for that, that, I still call myself a kid. That guy in his 20s who spent his whole life pursuing something and then have it all come crashing down. You could see how he might write a song about that. And uh, it's been fascinating to see some of the other kind of uses people have taken from that song, the meanings that it's come to them, that really have nothing to do with that. You know, the, the basic kind of humanity of, you know, in my song, Superman doesn't want to be Superman. There's a lot of Superman songs, but in mine, Superman doesn't want to be Superman. And who wouldn't want to be Superman? (laughs) You know, who wouldn't want to fly and be impenetrable? But I do think we as human beings try to be, the rock for people. We try to be to save everyone. And I've kind of learned, especially in this last year through the pandemic, I've, I've learned that, you know, we can't be everything for everybody and we have to take care of ourselves first. And in myself, Superman, he doesn't want to be everything for everybody. You know, he just wants to be a guy. He doesn't want that pressure. He doesn't want to have to save the day every day. And we can't. So I think so many people related to that feeling of I have these kind of innate built in desires to save the world. But if I don't take care of myself first, I won't even have that chance. And, and we can't be everything for everyone. And the fact that that related with not just kids who buy records, but adults, which is very rare for a pop song, I didn't realize till, you know, years after that song came out.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful. And it makes so much sense. One of the things that made me want to start this podcast is this feeling that people feel invisible you know, mm-hmm. like we we put on a mask and we, like you said, that line, I just want to be heard. Like really yeah. there's an aching to, does anyone see, does anyone hear? And meanwhile, I'm like playing all these roles and it's true. So many people have attached so much meaning to the song, but the through line is everyone related to it because you were willing to be vulnerable and say what was really going on. And it doesn't matter if other people's stories are harder or capital T trauma, it doesn't really matter. Because I think what it says to this audience is your story, when it comes from a real place, what's personal is universal. And then other people can relate to pain. Other people can relate to feeling invisible.
1: No, I think you're right. And certainly that was the most honest song on that record. You know, there are other songs that, you know, were cool pop songs. But that was the vulnerable song. And I think, too, we have to realize kind of a beauty of expressing ourselves is we may say something or write something from a certain point of view. But other people may hear that and apply it in a different way. And that's the beauty of music to me. And and I think I I realized that when the first Iraq War came out, a lot of the, the troops were emailing me about some of my songs. But they would use them in totally different ways. Some would say, I use your song to pump up or or I use your song to forget about where I am or "I use your song to escape or to calm down. And that really hit me because I'm like, you know, if you're honest and you put it out there, people will take it and apply it to themselves how they need it. And I think that's the beauty of expressing yourself, whether it's on a podcast like this, like what you just said, I'm sure had an impact to all the people listening, but it may be different things. Yeah. Because they have their own experiences. They have their own needs. It may be insightful in one way. So I think you're right. I think, you know, I, I tell my daughter this all the time. She's an aspiring theater major and trying to get into the arts. at college. And it's like, you know, people can see through when you're contrived. There's some very successful contrived shows. And people do that. And there's formula. But if you're honest and people get a sense that it's real, you have an advantage You have that trust and appreciation of your audience for being vulnerable like that. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do because especially, you know, no matter what you do in the arts, there will be people that ridicule you or you'll be embarrassed or somebody will make a snide remark. So you have to have a certain spine and courage. And that can be tough to have critics and rejection. And then all of a sudden, God forbid you become popular, then, you know, and then Twitter comes out and then forget about it. You need like five shrinks. There's so many things that contribute to success besides the actually art side of it, you know, the song side. I think for me, maybe 10% of my success has been because I can write songs people like. There's so much more that goes into it. And that's why you see so many people who have much more talent than me um, not figure it out.
0: Yeah, but that humanity in you is such a through line in all of these songs. Um, oh, right. Well, yeah, and everybody everybody knows that. And it's so rare. I feel like people... So easily right to please other people or they start becoming this thing. That's, it doesn't feel like it's sincere and your songs all have this thing, which is meaning there's so much meaning in all of these songs this conversation is so good. But before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors. I always get messages from you guys saying, I opened my online store, I'm doing what I love, and people actually want to buy my products. And I love hearing this, but I also know that when orders are coming in fast, the hard part is shipping those products out. Luckily, ShipStation makes it easy. With ShipStation, it's simple to import, manage, and ship your orders out fast for a lot less money. It's no wonder ShipStation is the number one shipping software for e-commerce sellers with more five-star reviews than anyone else. You can import orders from any sales channel, ship with any carrier using our deeply discounted rates and automate just about any shipping task, so you can spend a lot less time on shipping and a lot more time growing your business. Whether you're selling from Amazon, Etsy, and maybe even your own website, ShipStation funnels all your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. You'll even get access to amazing discounts with major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS, easily compare carriers and choose the best solution every time. I think it's so great that they're making discounted rates accessible to small businesses. I think it's so great that they're making discounted rates accessible to small businesses without the contracts or commitments. Ship more in less time. Just use my offer code DREAMJOB to get the 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in DREAMJOB. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code DREAMJOB. Make ship happen. Canva Pro is the easiest way to create presentations like a pro, whether you're presenting to your team, students, or clients. You can even save time and inspire your creativity by using one of Canva Pro's thousands of free designer-made templates and layouts. We love them because they're customizable and we can make high-quality, high-resolution presentation minutes. Plus, you can design, collaborate, share, and present on any device. With a subscription, Canva Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. We've used plenty of graphics from their library and I know we still haven't even scratched the surface of what they have to offer. In fact, we just had to do our made-to-do this graduation celebration, and we used Canva Pro to make a slideshow and celebrate our students. It was really easy to put together. Plus, we were able to add these little animated graphics in the background and play some music to the background to make the presentation really pop, and everybody loved it. Wow your audience with Canva Pro, the easiest way to create presentations. Get a free 45-day extended trial by going to canva.me slash dreamjob. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M E slash dream job to get your free 45 day extended trial. So let's talk about some of your other amazing songs. Each one feels like a child, you know, that you birthed into (laughs) the world. So a hundred years. So where were you when you came up with those lyrics? Like where, where is that story from?
1: Yeah. So that one, you know, hundred years, that was a big deal because you know, Superman had come out. And at that point, even though I'd had some success, I was a one hit wonder. I was a Superman guy and I've seen other artists and I kind of did this too. You know, your tendency is, well, that works. So let me just write that song again a little different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do that and sometimes they have success, but usually it doesn't work because you're not going to eclipse that song. It's going to be a B version of that song. And and I made a record, you know, that, that it was really, again, kind of be careful what you wish for, right? Because I wanted success and I wanted to be able to do this. And all of a sudden I had a hit and I had a budget and I was working with this great producer in Montecito with a band and we're recording every day. I felt like the who, you know, live in the dream. And, and we made my kind of art record that I still think is my best record, the battle for everything, but there wasn't like the song to follow Superman. And I knew that. And that's probably why I made the record. Cause I didn't want to just sit around all day trying to write, you know, Superman two. But I knew I had to have that song. And so a year went by and the record company was very angry and we'd spent a lot of money and the pressure was on. And what are you going to do? How do you follow it? And I'd written a few songs. And I I did have this kind of feeling, you know, at that time in my life, it was kind of an amazing time, actually. My, My son was born while I was making America Town. My daughter was born kind of the week Superman went number one. So I was having this kind of incredible moment. And I remember a year or so after that, you know, I was all stressed out and the pressures and and I was sitting with my two little kids on my lap. And and I tend to be one of those people who either like focuses on the past and like analyzes it, and dissects it, or I'm like pushing the goalposts. What's, what's next? Yeah. And I had this day, you know, we're just sitting there and I was under a lot of stress and, and I'm like, you know what? Look at these two sitting here. I've had a song that made a difference. It's like, it really can't get better than this. And, and we've always talked about live in the moment, appreciate the moment. But I think you'll notice a lot of my songs are little post-it notes that we all kind of try to remind ourselves, you know. And 100 Years is just a post-it note of, hey, appreciate where you are. Don't get so lost in the past or the future that you forget where you are. And if it's great, enjoy it. If it's not, understand that you're in it. And so I kind of had this idea of, I remember I was sitting at my mom's house on her piano and I kind of came up with, you know, <laughs> and um, a wish is never better than this when you only got hundred years to live. And then I thought, okay, well, what about if the verses are kind of stages of our lives? And you'll find as an artist, you know, you work a lot with no results, but every once in a while you have an epiphany. And that was kind of an epiphany of like, okay, that could be interesting. It's honest. It's real. It's happened to me. And this time it didn't take 45 minutes. It took like four months. And I wrote hundreds of lines to get the third of you here. This was really the song crafting process. It wasn't a gift. And I ran them by a bunch of people. We had a bunch of permutations of the music, but eventually we kind of crafted it to where it seemed to work. And when I first kind of played 100 Years From Beginning to End, I'm like, okay, this is a song that's that guy who wrote Superman, but it's a song that could exist if Superman never did. But it took a long time to get there. And uh, we had no idea. Again, with radio, the song was four and a half minutes long, which is, you know, don't ever do that if you want a song on the radio. Um, (laughs) But we kind of knew that, you know, this was another one that kind of had that honesty and that guy and that voice and would be a nice follow-up to Superman. And and luckily, it did. It became, as you know, popular. And I, I think in many ways, probably more entrenched in the culture than Superman, even was just because so many people use it in their life moments, you know, to this day. And actually for me too, I have to say, you know, I'm very grateful for Superman and I love playing it and I love how it's made a difference. But hundred years I can grow up with it because when I wrote it, I was in the second verse, and now I'm in the bridge. And When I wrote that line about, you know, 45, here's the crisis. I was like, yeah, I was
3: right. (laughs)
1: Here I am. I'm 45 (laughs) in the crisis and now I'm in the bridge. And so hundred years, I think one reason it stuck around is we can all grow up with it and there's always a place for us in it.
0: I just can't even imagine what it feels like to be you when, you know, there's certain songs like Somewhere Over the Rainbow, there's Hmm. certain songs Like that song, which you're right, everyone's played it. People are saying now in their wedding montage, when their kids are born at bat mitzvahs, like it's the song that in an instant, when you hear it, everyone gets the lesson immediately. And music is so powerful that way, that in those four minutes, you are completely transported to what matters most, to what you really want. And to be the person who's been able to hold that moment Those four minutes of moments for millions of people, it's so powerful. It's like an atomic bomb of energy that you constantly, it's the gift that keeps on giving every time I hear that song and I'm sure people can relate. You're just, you stop in your tracks and you are home. You're like back in it. This is what matters. Here's what I really, really want to do. This is what I'm really grateful for. It's just incredible that you facilitated that and still do.
1: Well, thanks. You know, um, I have to give credit to like the great songwriters. You know, I was a child of the 70s singer songwriter. And in that day and age, the songs were stories. There was a beginning, a middle of an end. There was a sentiment. You know, a great example is Cats in the Cradle, right? you know, when you hear Cats in the Cradle, even to this day, there's a life lesson in those three and a half minutes. And it still gets me, you know, Joni Mitchell, you know, stuff that she writes, and you know, certain artists that were, were great storytellers. And it's hard to tell a story in three and a half minutes and 30 lines. <laughs> and I, I had a great appreciation for that. But yeah, no, it's, I feel very fortunate to have been able to write songs and have people hear them and, and apply them to their lives. And, as I said, there were a lot of influences that uh, allowed me musically to do it, and a lot of people that just allowed me the space to do it and the opportunity to do it.
0: It's very yeah. like you to say things like that. That fits you very well to be that humble. And the thing is, it's not just the lyric, the melody is just unbelievable. I had a meeting once with Al Cafaro, who used to work at AM yeah. Records. Yeah. And he said to me, Melody is everything, right? Melody. And you do both like that's not an easy thing that's a gift to be able to like have melody come and i wanted to talk about that for a second because i think we are in a world where everyone talks about hustling and grinding and pushing and pushing and in both of the stories you just told about those two songs the initial moment was from stepping back right? Like you were stopped, the kids were on your lap. The other one, you know, you said like, oh, like it was just like a gift. It just got handed because I like dropped in, like you said this in your own words, but I feel like for creatives in particular, we have to create the space to have the divine download or the inspiration. And we live in a world that's like, it's so about like, push, 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 find it. Like it's, and that's not necessarily The most productive thing, sometimes the most productive thing is to take the walk or go sailing with your kids. And there's the idea. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with that, and and how maybe you you would advise people to find their way to those gems?
1: Yeah, you're very wise. Um, I agree with that. Um, I would disagree with Kafaro a little bit on the melody thing. I my feeling is melody can get you on the radio a good lyric can keep you there 30 years. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm a little, you know, being the curmudgeon that we all get is, you know, we're on the backs of our careers. I'm a little, you know, concerned about contemporary music because I keep listening Go well, what song's going to be on the radio in 20 years? What song is, has such meaning and insight and reflects the times and tells a story that we're going to hear it again in 20 years. I don't hear a lot of those songs. You know, there's a reason we still hear all the 70 songs and 80 songs and, because those songs have that depth. They have the melody and they have the lyric. And before I answer your question, I have to shout out Elton John, because as as you're a singer songwriter, you know, to me, that guy has the best gift of melody ever. And he had the hardest job because for me, I'll kind of play, I'll find a melody. I can fit words to it. I can, you know, make noises and kind of fit words, noises. And it kind of comes together most of the time. But Elton would write to an existing lyric. Basically, the way Elton wrote is Bernie Tappan would stay up at night and he'd write some lyrics and he'd leave them on the piano. And Elton would come down in the morning and he'd write Rocket Man and he'd write Your Song and he'd write Benny and the Jets and to an existing lyric. So it's not like he could just come up with a melody and then put words mm-hmm. into it. And so there's people like that who are just savants. You know, McCartney's another one. He's just a savant. So some people are gifted with this incredible kind of prodigy ability. Then there's the rest of us. And to answer your question about creativity too, you know it's kind of a fine line between work ethic and also finding ways to increase your odds of having those epiphanies. Certainly if you're not playing or writing, it's gonna be hard to come up with some material. <laughs> on the other hand, as you said, I've found that a lot of my best ideas come when I'm not sitting at the piano or I'm not sitting typing on my computer And I've adjusted the way I kind of work. These days, you know, when I write lyrics, I don't just sit in my office with a pencil or my computer. I'll go for a walk behind my house with my work tapes. Um, I'll go for a run. I I don't know if it's the endorphins or what, but I find when I'm running or working out that I tend to have better ideas. And I'm also always recognizing these little bursts, you know, whether in the shower or in the car and an idea comes. You know, I I just write it down. I may not, you know, work on it for a day or two, but you you have to be kind of willing to listen. And there's other just practical things to do to help your creativity. I do a lot of changing my environment. I used to go to Tahoe all the time and write up there. And you can tell the songs that I wrote at Tahoe. You know, they were kind of unusable and they were 50 minutes long. And you hear the you know lay and you know owls chirping, but it was a reflection of how environment changes your art. So I'll, I'll change my environment if I get bored. I'll do things that make me uncomfortable. I'll take on projects where I'm like, I really don't want to do that. But I'm like, I should do that because it makes me uncomfortable. Maybe something cool will come out of it. And a lot of times it doesn't. You know, collaboration, of course, you know, working with other people. There's so many so many ways to do it. It's really a combination of work, work ethic and giving yourself space. And the last thing I'll say, because it kind of reflects on what you said about the whole world crashing in and everybody's running and competing and chasing what I try to do, don't do it all the time. But, if, you know, I think if, if you're working at night and you go to bed, you know, your brain is still working on your songs. Your subconscious is still working on whatever you're doing. It doesn't have to be music. It could be a, it could be some, a decision in your life. What do I want to do? What's best for me? Maybe a really hard decision. Maybe there's something you know you really should do, but it's hard to make that change. And so in the morning, instead of like grabbing the phone or grabbing my laptop, which everybody wants to do, I try to either sit for 10 minutes let my brain tell myself what it's been working on, sit at the piano, just play for a minute, maybe write something down. And it gets to your point of give yourself some space, give yourself, and also forgive yourself. Don't expect to be like a genius every day. And don't, don't expect that you're not going to make mistakes. Um, but if you give yourself some time, whether it's spiritual, you know, Buddhism and you go to do meditation, whether it's praying, whether it's um, just sitting Yourself giving yourself a time away from the madness, I think all of that gives us a certain clarity, and in that clarity, I think ideas come, and also I just think for our mental wellness, it's a good practice. So that's a long answer to your question. No, it's
0: so good and it's so generous because people are not kind to themselves, and because people believe in this illusion that when you bought the Taylor Swift's record with 12 songs, that she wrote 12 songs for this record. It's like, no, she wrote hundreds of songs leading up to it and then there was probably 42 and from that they chose 12 and and people don't seem to get that I heard Ed Sheeran say that it like took him writing through so much mediocrity until the brilliant stuff started to come out and I don't know that everybody gets that that we should like sort of make space for this creative process rather than expecting like okay here I go and if it's not perfect oh I'm gonna give up on songwriting you know like That's what most people think about most things. So they don't really even give themselves the time to even master it.
1: No, I mean, you've heard of the 20,000 hour rule, right? You know, it takes 20,000 hours to get good at anything. And the other side of it too is, if you're in the arts, it's subjective. So you could be the best songwriter in the world and have no career because whatever you're doing just doesn't fit the zeitgeist. You know, it's different than other occupations. You know, if, if if I was born Michael Jordan, I'm going to play basketball, you know? Um, yeah. So, so it's like, that's the thing with the arts. There's no guarantee. Yeah. So again, I think it's really important to make sure what you're doing, you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, Cause if you have, if you're passionate about it, you'll be able to take whatever comes and enjoy the process, enjoy what you're doing. Like my daughter right now, I have no idea if she'll make a career as an actress, a singer, a songwriter, a producer, a director writer but I know she's having the greatest time of her life right now and she's meeting friends and she's doing what she loves to do and of course we don't always have the opportunity to do that our whole lives the real world crashes in but I think we can do both again I, I still throughout my whole career I was still going in precision wire even when Superman was number one I was going to work because I knew that this thing wasn't going to last forever now I wasn't going in every day but, but of course I was talking to my dad and We had, I was in on all the decisions. And whenever I went there, you know, and I saw the guys welding and I kind of smelled the sweat and I'm like, this is the real world. This, what I'm doing now, that's going to go away. And it did, you know, 10 years later, I got dropped from Columbia Records and things changed and it was traumatic, but I knew that that was the real world. And I was just kind of blessed to be in this one for a minute, but it was kind of fickle. And as I said, Rolling Stone trashed 100 Years. They made fun of the song. And so you never know. So I, I think if you're passionate about something and understand that whatever comes from you is real and worthwhile for you, and if you, if you set it up for expectations, well, I need to be this by this time, you're going to be disappointed. And if you're only doing it for those reasons, you're probably not going to do it for long. So I think we find what we're passionate about we find who we're passionate about and and we kind of do our best to insert ourselves in those situations. And you know what? If, if life is such that we have to do a job that we don't love, but we have the freedom to play at home or sing at home or write at home or that's equally as important because, you know, in world, be careful what you wish for. Right. Success is never what you think it is. And everybody thinks, oh, boy, if I had all this, mm-hmm. life would be great look at all the songwriters who've gone off the edge and all the crazy successful people. Most of them, it's not a happy day. So, you know, I think we always have to realize that the the grass is not always greener. And using that cliche is another reason I'm not the greatest songwriter, because I use a lot of cliches in my songs, and I'm proud of it.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's so good. It's something that's so rare to hear on the show. It's hard to believe that you were still going into this to work when you were selling millions and millions of records, which by the way, that almost doesn't even happen that way anymore. Like there's so much content now that like for yeah. that to happen, you were, you are and have been super successful. So it's th- the thing that you were going into work is just amazing. And I think that that's such a gift, what you just gave to people because we do feel it is all or nothing. Okay, we have a few more things to talk about. But first, we're going to take a quick ad break. We're all juggling busy schedules, and sometimes we end up sacrificing sleep or exercise or the nutrients our body needs to thrive. Athletic Greens is here to help. They have a daily all-in-one superfood powder that's an easy and delicious option to get optimal nutrition in a super convenient way. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. And it works, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Plus, it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. I've been taking Athletic Greens in the morning and I love how quick and easy it is. It just takes a few seconds to mix the superfood powder with some water. And just like that, I've taken care of the nutrients I need for the day. It's really helped my energy and digestion and I feel good that I'm treating myself right. Also, it's taken away the hassle of tracking multiple products or pills. So now I can direct that bandwidth somewhere else. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, Athletic Greens makes it tasty and efficient to invest in your energy, immunity and gut health every day. To get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with a subscription, go to athleticgreens.com slash and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. That's athleticgreens.com slash to get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Listen up all you last minute Mother's Day shoppers. You know who you are. There's still time to make this Mother's Day her favorite, but you have to hurry to 1-800-Flowers.com. one flowers has amazing deals on Mother's Day gifts from bouquets and plants to gourmet treats and sweet surprises. It is everything you need to make sure that mom feels the love and appreciation on her special day. I love having flowers around the house, so I was super excited when they sent me a bouquet. They really brightened up the room and they smelled so good. I definitely want to send a bouquet to the special women in my life, my mom, my sister, because they have always been my biggest cheerleaders. You can choose from roses, lilies, daisies, palms, and all blooms from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak. Plus, they're available for same-day delivery to ensure freshness and guarantee that mom will be amazed. This is your last chance to lock in these amazing Mother's Day deals. So order today, only good while supplies last. Remember, Mother's Day is this Sunday, so take care of all your gifting needs with 1-800-Flowers.com. To order last-minute Mother's Day bouquets, arrangements, and gifts, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code DREAMJOB. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code DREAMJOB. I actually, I didn't even know I was going to share this with you, but so I was signed to Interscope and I was signed to Atlantic. I was dropped from both and I was working with Ron Fair on a record and he was mm-hmm. very, very sweet, but I actually had this feeling that I was going to turn into something I wasn't. And I knew all of a sudden, like, this wasn't going to work out, you know, and I didn't. And then he called me and said, Kath, Jimmy Iving's going to drop you. This isn't going to work. I'm like, yeah, I can't be this thing. I can be that thing, you know? And I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. I messaged you on MySpace. Oh, wow. And this is like, you were really famous. Like you were already really famous. And I reached out to you because I got dropped and I was like, you're the kind of person I wanted to be, but I'm being told I have to wear different things, write different songs. And I wrote you this note and you said, send me one of your songs. And I sent you and you, were, you said, well, it doesn't matter. This is a great song. And I was bawling. I couldn't believe that you wrote me back and I was nobody like, no, nope. So I was signed, but nobody knew who I was. You were just a kind person who, act- I want everyone to hear that. That's a true story. You wrote me back on MySpace, And if I still had an account, I'd show you a screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that's cool. I mean, I think, but I think you're just kind of making my point because in an Are alternate universe, you're a really universe- nice person. Yeah, no, no, in an alternate universe, Your song was the hit song. And I was the one emailing you who got dropped. Again, that's the reality of the arts. And I've seen it so many times at labels where, hey, Vanessa opened for me. Everybody was chasing it. They were chasing me. They were chasing piano playing people. But I've seen these music executives have their vision. They have their kind of box they want you to check. And A lot of times it's because they're scared to do anything new because if they, if they do anything new and it goes bad, they get fired. If they just chase what's happening, they don't. So you, you, like so many artists kind of get stuck in that thing of how do I kind of walk that record? And again, that's why I was so blessed when I made my first record. Columbia records didn't know I existed. If they did, I could never made that record. They would have heard Superman once and go get rid of this guy you know, it's wow, too slow. That's that, such a you know.
0: crazy perspective. But yeah, so, that's so a lot
1: of it, a lot of these things that seem like challenges, I was so lucky. And I was also very lucky that I didn't have success till my late 20s. You know, so it's very hard to have success young, because you think it's all about you. I knew, I knew how lucky I was and how many people were there. But again, you're the perfect example of there's so many talented people who never get heard. And that's why I feel so lucky. And and that's why I would always, I still, you know, I love to hear music and email people back. And But the nice thing about today is you don't need a record company now. You know, the nice thing about today is you can do your songs. You can put them on YouTube. You can go sell 300 tickets and you can do it that way. Because, you know, when you kind of came up like I did, we were kind of hostage to that 20 artists on a record company. And also we were at the age where they weren't waiting, you know. Bruce Springsteen took three records to hit hit. when, you know, when we were coming up, if you didn't have a hit out of the box, if Superman wasn't a hit, I was done, you know, you're done in six months. So it was a really hard time to build a career, but now I think it's wonderful for artists who, who can, they can do so many things. Like my, my daughter loves Grimes, right? Elon Musk's girl who, you know, she does fashion. She does music. She can act. You know, everyone's doing everything. And like, even you, it's like, look, you can write your songs. You can put them on YouTube. You have a podcast. you develop developed a brand. You could use your songs for your podcast. You could like, and who knows where things go, you know? And that's one thing I have learned. Some of the strangest things happen when you just put stuff out in the universe totally. and people find it. And whether it's 10 million people or a hundred, it's the same result for me. And the fact, if you still enjoy writing that's really what matters, you know, yeah, obviously you're good at it, and but yeah it's, it's your story resonates with me and and there were people that responded to me, some didn't <laughs> I won't mention the ones, that, but when I was seventeen, I'd write letters to like my favorite songwriters, and when I played the concert for New York, I got to meet some of them, you know, and that was just so thrilling for me to to just say thank you,,
0: you mm-hmm. know, thank
1: you, Elton, thank you, Townsend, thank you, McCartney. But yeah, I think there's a lot of people that kind of gave me a little kind of comfort too during that time. And I would love to hear some of your songs, man. You gotta oh my god, <laughs> John!
0: Come on, it's so you're so sweet. You're just such an incredible person. And uh, I didn't even say it for that reason because what actually happened to me is that I wound up I wound up writing music for film and TV, licensing my music for a decade, which sweet. was really fun. And yep. then I wound up through like a random thing starting a podcast. So the thing is that I realized once I started this, I had always just wanted to use my voice to help other people. But at the time I thought the way I would do that is I would like sing and write songs and all of that. But I can remember being at the hotel cafe and being like more interested in like getting to talk in between the songs than singing the songs. Right. Like I just yeah. wanted to connect with people, like take people yeah. to church. So it's beautiful to see how, like what you had said before is like, Just do it because you love it rather than attaching a goal to it. That was my whole point is like, for me, it wound up leading me to something totally different and who knows, like, and I do play the songs on the show at the end and whatever, but it's not even about the music anymore. Like for me, it's just, I want to say something to somebody's soul. And the fact that you've always known that, and it also worked at the same time for you in that way, it's amazing, right? Lightning struck in every way. But for people listening, I just think you gave people such a gift by saying, let go of the it has to look a certain way because you just don't know. Yeah, it
1: usually doesn't work. You know, if you're chasing it, it usually doesn't work because it's been done and probably done better. And I find myself doing that too. Like, oh, there's a hit song. Oh God, I can, I want to write that song. But I think you also had an insight too. of It's hard when you've kind of grown up doing one thing and you kind of have this expectation of doing it. And then people around you have this expectation oh my God, yeah. to do something different and have that courage to do it. Even if you know, and and this applies to relationships, it applies to everything in life, right? How many times have we been in a relationship? We know we shouldn't be in this and it took a long time to get out of it. But I I say too, it takes, you know, and sometimes it's thrust upon us. You know, with me, when Columbia Records brought me, I saw a lot of my contemporary friends continue to try to make records and do it the way they used to. And they were just miserable because they could never attain what they did. And, And I say, you know, if the rules of the games have changed, change the field of play. And that's kind of what you did. You know, you kind of like, all right, the rules have changed a little bit. I still know I want to connect with people. Is there another avenue I can get fulfilled? Yeah. Um, and maybe doing something kind of way out of the box. And, you know, you hopped on podcasts kind of, you know, when it was like cutting edge new, new thing and get my fulfillment out of that. And that takes a, a lot of courage. And that's kind of what I did when I got dropped. And I'm like, you know what? I want to, first of all, I took a year off and cried. And then after I did that. And then I ran a marathon and that didn't work, but then I'm like, all right, I've always wanted to write a musical. Let me dabble there. I've always wanted to do film and TV like you, let me dabble there. You know, I want to do some touring with quartet. I want to write a book and all these things I haven't had time to do. And then of course there's the family business where my dad's 82 and I'm like, got to do that. And Basically the last year I've done zero music and just kind of kept that thing going the best I can. So I, I think your experience is is hopefully inspiring to people because it's like, Hey, It doesn't have to be this exact thing and you never know where roads lead because I guarantee you if you weren't a songwriter and you didn't get dropped and you didn't have those experiences, you would never found this podcast. The road found its way for you. And again, the funny thing is too, is like you're touching more people with your podcast than (laughs) 99% of pop stars ever do with their songs. Isn't that weird? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's how so it like work. you to
0: turn yeah. this around and make this about me. I want to ask you about one other song, which is one of my I mean, there are so many that are so good, but the riddle come on. Yeah. the song is so good. Mm. And you said your dad is 82, so yeah. what then is it about?
1: Okay, so we've talked about the gift song that comes kind of overnight, and we've talked about 100 years that, that came after a few months. The riddle is probably the song that I feel I never got 100 percent right. Have you ever written a song and you're like, you keep working on it and you're working yeah. on it. You know, it never, never seems right. And I have worked on that song for a year. And then we're, the record comes like, we're putting it on the radio right now. It's like, you're done. And I don't know why, but it was, you know, the riddle. It's like, why are we here? Right? Why are we here? What's our purpose? You know, all these big things we all think about. And and of course, far be for me to answer the riddle, but you could see, on those couple records when my kids were young because they were kind of educating me in their clarity of innocence, you know? Yeah, so the riddle is just kind of a question, like, why are we here? You know, what's our purpose? And, you know, find the answer. There's a reason for the world, you and I, right? Part of it is, at least to me, the song is, part of the answer is us together because if it was just us by ourselves, why would it matter? So part of, for me, the reason of the world is the people around us, both our intimate family, our friends, and then as a global community. But we all have a different answer to that song. You know, My mom has a different answer. She's very religious. You know, my wife has a different answer. My kids have a different answer. And that's great. Like, but I think it's nice to kind of think about, like, why are we here and what are we doing while we're here? And, and to me, the song was more of a question than an answer. Because you know, there is a reason for the world, you and I, but it's left to each of us to figure that
0: out. It's so beautiful. It makes me get like so emotional because my, my husband's dad died in 1987 and mm. it was an unexpected thing. And he was a little kid and he's always said to me, God, I wish I would have had a conversation like before mm. he passed. And every time I get the opportunity, I play him that song and I'm like, this is what the conversation would have been. Mm. And wow. he just like gets so emotional. And he's like, why do you do this <laughs> and I'm like because you know there was a man his heart ran out of summers but before he yeah. died and he asked him you know and he goes son let me and it does so much for him and he goes well how do you know that's what he would have said I go because it's so obvious you know what I mean like he had one son and it's you like you know he might not have been able to say it but come on you know and and it's such a gift to him and I'm sure so many other people take meaning in, in, in different ways but I mean, if you would have done that with one song, it would have been like enough, but you've done that over and over and over and over and over again. You've written a song that cracks people wide open and then like hands them medicine and a hug. And it's just like, that just says so much about your soul. I can't, it's amazing, truly amazing. It's just, that's like, over and over who you are. And it's a, as a segue, as we're summing up, I, I do want to mention how much you care about this, the people who serve this country, because mm. that's also really unusual. I wish it wasn't. I wish Me it wasn't. Too. But do you want to say why you do? And why do you spend time like supporting the military in the way that you do?
1: Well, you know, I don't have military in my family. A lot of people assume I do. But as I mentioned, you know, during the i've always had a great respect for the military um and their sacrifice and as i mentioned during the first iraq war i started corresponding with some of our our troops and i kind of got this insight that we didn't see on the news you know the news tends to have their kind of slants i was just hearing it from the source i was just hearing it from the soldiers and i uh that moved me and i started developing some relationships there and then started working with the uso went down to gitmo and that was an eye awakening experience you know for the first time it was Talking about like moments in life that kind of never go away. I, I have this song called Freedom Never Cries. And it talks about, you know, how freedom is not free. And um, there's been a lot of sacrifice for it. And I think we in the, in the West take freedom for granted. Yeah. And I went down to Gitmo to kind of play for some of the troops down there. And I had this moment. I was literally sitting on the, the shore there in Cuba. And, and the right to me was kind of the prison where the terrorists were kind of housed and the would spotlights. And in front of me, there was this little bar. And these just wooden benches called Club Survivor. And and I was playing on this cement block <laughs> to these 19, 20-year-old National Guardsmen who, you know, and women. There are these young kids. And and I'm singing Freedom Never Cries. And I, I see like the American flag silhouetted by the moon. And in the distance, I saw the Cuban guard towers with the, the Cuban soldiers with their AKs and a big fence. And I'm like, you know what? on that side of the fence, I couldn't sing what I want. On this side of the fence, I can sing what I want. And I have this freedom of speech. And I have this freedom to, to disagree with my fellow citizen. And and my kids have this freedom. And it's all because of these soldiers. And most of them are kids. They're 19, 20 years old. And so I've, I've always had this gratitude, not just for the world they give us, our freedoms and everything we have, but also as an artist, ability to say what we want, say free speech. And frankly, that's something that's under assault right now. And it makes me very nervous. And I work with Gary Sinise, who does amazing work. He's kind of the new Bob Hope. And through him, I meet a lot of these soldiers who have lost limbs and we do a lot of work with Gold Star mothers and Gold Star families who've lost family members. And it's like, you know, these people sacrifice their lives or their bodies or their minds. So we can have an argument about how to make the world better. And now we're kind of losing that ability. We're kind of being told we can't say what we want. And if we do say something, we're evil. That's very dangerous. And I think we forget our our troops give us that ability to have a conversation. So that's why I've kind of loved them and supported them. We did the CD for the troops. And even though you you said you wish more artists would stand up for the troops, I do have to say, years back, I did a CD for the troops project where I made CDs with the biggest artists, their hit songs. And I gave a million of them to to the troops and the hospitals. And again, I was a young guy. I had one hit song and and everyone was saying no. And then the first person who said yes was Melissa Etheridge. And she said, yeah, you got it. Here's my song, Come Through My Window, her biggest song. And she was a big star. And that opened up the floodgates. And to be honest, you know, me and Melissa probably have different worldviews on politics and stuff, but she got it. She's like, these people give us abilities to have the conversation, to disagree. And after Melissa, then Billy Joel gave me scenes from an Italian restaurant and the floodgates Open*. So a lot of the artists did contribute. And I think whatever your politics are, you have to appreciate our, our, our troops because they, they give us everything we have. And to this day, that's why I try to sing a song or recognize them. I wrote a song called... Uh, Christmas Where You Are with Jim Brickman a couple of years ago, which is a song about a soldier who's away from home. And it's nice to hear that song every Christmas on Hallmark Channel Radio because it's kind of speaks to what they, you know, they're not home on Christmas. We all are, you know. And so if there's anything I can do to write and shine the spotlight on them and their experience, I, I try to do. And the highlight of my career has been playing for them and talking to them and, and making friends in, in that world. And and I wish you all could have been in Gitmo with me. It, uh, as I said, you got to travel around and see things and it has a big impact on you.
0: Oh my God. It's so beautiful. And yeah, my husband and I, like our favorite holiday is July 4th. And we always like set up a playlist to watch the fireworks too. And <laughs> um, in LA off our balcony, we could see all these like fireworks from where we, we lived. And so we, and we just sob, you know, like God bless the USA and coming to America, like all these songs. And you just sit here and like, I've lived abroad two different times. And I'm like, ah, oh, this country, you know, like my grandparents are all immigrants. Like they came escaping so much. And, and if it wasn't for this place, ah, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know. So I'm just so grateful. And I'm, I'm so grateful to people like you who shine a light on how much we have to be grateful for that red, white, and blue. It's just like, such a gift. And I think we can all, it doesn't matter what side you're on. It's like, this country is incredible. It is a one and only, it is a once in a lifetime. It is amazing what it has allowed. And every country is broken and has problems. And that's like, that's for sure. But what is here and what is always here and what it was founded on and what it continues to be, the fact that we can grow and we can change and we can be at the edge of being it's progressive in every way or whatever it is. I mean, it's just, it's such a blessing. And um, it's totally surreal to get to sit here and listen to you. Thank you. What an incredible gift that you've been here and shared yourself with us so vulnerably, so kindly, so generously. Thank you. What a gift, what a prayer. And John, what's next for you? I heard that maybe you're working with Stephen Schwartz on something.
1: Oh, I don't know. Stephen's a friend of mine. We had some projects going on and, and you know, again, things got so thrown up in the air in the last okay. few years. Got it. I actually just actually did a benefit for him, and I got to sing Beautiful City, one of my favorite Steven yes. Schwartz songs. So he's such a gentleman. For somebody who's had the most performances on Broadway ever.
0: Amazing. And
1: such an icon. He's such a good guy. And, and again, we come from totally different worlds, totally different viewpoints. And one of my greatest you know, kind of, I'm so grateful for his friendship, is we have that polar difference on how we see the world, but we love each other. And we can tell each other that and we can argue and we then we hug each other. And we know we're both coming from a place where we both want the same things. And beyond just the musical genius of him, you know, to write songs with him is fantastic. We wrote that song Slice Together and and some other projects. Yeah, it's some other projects that didn't see the light of day. I have some great songs, but to learn from him and to be his friend and um, actually go on my Facebook page and uh, the the pinned one is me singing "Beautiful City" for Steven. and you can oh, see. I'm face. gonna go check yeah. it out. So check that out.
0: So tell us where we
1: can follow you. You know I, I'm on Facebook, Fight for Fighting. Again, I, I don't do a lot of social media because I think it's frankly a net negative on your life, <laughs> <on your> being. <laughs> but I do use kind of Twitter for information and concerts and new music and I'll, okay. I'll talk about hockey on there sometimes. But so Facebook and that, and then five for com. you know, there's a little mailing list you can sign up for and all my tour dates. We're starting to book new tours. And so we'll be out there. And and the California dates are pushed to November, but those are going to happen. So yeah, I'll be out there playing and I have a few other TV projects. Maybe you'll see, maybe you won't, but uh, you'll be the first to know.
0: Well, we're definitely, we're going to be there. And uh, I've seen you live in LA a few times and loved it. And I look forward to more music and and just, this was amazing. Thank you, John. God bless you. Bye guys. How amazing is John? Remember to stick around for the end of this episode because you will hear him sing the song world. It is such an incredible song. Also, you can watch his performance plus the whole interview on my Kathy Heller YouTube channel. We have the link in our show notes. And here are the takeaways. Number one, we try to be Superman and save everyone, but we can't be everything for everybody. We have to take care of ourselves first. Number two, if you put your work out there, people will apply it to themselves as they need it. That's the beauty of expressing yourself. Number three, when you're honest and people sense that it's real, you have an advantage. You have the trust and appreciation of your audience for being vulnerable. Number four, appreciate the present. Don't get so lost in the past or the future that you forget where you are. Number five, forgive yourself. Don't expect to be a genius every day. Give yourself the grace to make mistakes. Number six, be careful what you wish for. Success is never what you think it is. Number seven, if the rules of the game have changed, then change the field of play. And number eight, there's a reason for the world, you and I, but it's left to each of us to figure it out. All right. Now we're going to celebrate today's giveaway winner. So every Monday and Thursday, I'm giving away a cute hoodie or a mug. If you want some awesome swag, all you have to do to enter the giveaway is leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or go live on your Instagram and talk about the podcast and tag me at Kathy.Hiller. Today, the winner is L. Grungo, who said doses of heart mixed with inspiration. Kathy's style of interviewing is all heart and gratitude and inspiration. The people who come on her show are given a place to shine and her daily doses of wisdom are going to be exactly what you need to know in this very moment. She is a force in the very best of ways. If you're on a path of growth, whether in business or life, this podcast is for you. Thank you so much. That is so, so generous. I so appreciate you. And I want to thank all of you because I know that you're so busy and it's an honor to me that you decide to spend your time here. We have some incredible guests coming up. I cannot wait to tell you who's going to be here. I'll keep it a surprise for now, but go ahead and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you want to be entered into the giveaway, just leave a review. Now, I'm curious if this episode inspired you or if you can think of one person or 12 people who would love to hear this. If so, it would mean the world if you would text the link to someone or post about it on your Instagram and tag me at Kathy.Heller. And you can also tag John. He's at Five for Fighting Official. He doesn't use Instagram so much, but he's definitely using Twitter at John Androsic. It would mean so much to him, I'm sure, if you tweeted at him and let him know that you heard the show and that you enjoyed what he had to say. But definitely share the episode because. I think that this one is so touching. I love you guys. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Remember, if you want to join me for 12 weeks, 12 intensive weeks where I will be showing up with you every single week, there are no pre-recorded videos for you to go watch in modules. It's a live interactive experience. If you want to be there for something like that, go to made to do this.com and claim your seat now before prices go up next month. Don't say, I didn't warn you. I'm telling you the price is going up and the seats will be sold out. So now we're doing a flash sale and now is the time to go get in on this experience. And now I hope you enjoy John's performance of World.
3: Got a package full of wishes A time machine a magic wand A globe made out of gold no instructions or commandments Laws of gravity and decisions to uphold Print it on the box I see Acme's built a world to be Take a chance, grab a piece Help me to believe. Cause history starts now Should there be people or peoples Money, funny pedestals for fools who never pay Raise your arm and choose your steeple. Don't be shy; the satellites can look the other way. Lose the earthquakes, keep the falls. Fill the oceans with laughter. History starts now Sunlight's on the bridge Sunlight's on the way Tomorrow's calling There's more to this than love Start now Care for what you wish for Start now